What's up, guys, and welcome to The Married Life. On today's episode, Chrissy and I get the honor to interview Bobby and Rose Bogard. They've been in multiple ministries, including Res Life Church with Dwayne Vanderklok and Gateway Church with Robert Morris. They help lead up a church network called Link, and they have their own ministry called Bogard Group Ministries. This couple's been married for 43 years, so today we want to pick their brain to find out how we can get there, too. This is part one of a two-part episode as we interview Bobby and Rose Bogard. Welcome to The Married Life. What's up, guys? This is Joe. And Chrissy. And welcome to The Married Life. And today we are interviewing Bobby and Rose Bogard. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast today, guys. And We're glad to honor. be here. Yeah. Well, glad so to be here. Give us, for everybody who doesn't know you, obviously you are, I, I said that you're the vice president of Link. I don't know if that's accurate or not, <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, when Johnny's gone, you're just, you're running the show, you know? Right. So I say that. Um, you were on staff at Res Life before with Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok. Right. Uh, you were on staff at, um, with Robert Morris at Gateway Church. Yep. Um, what else have you done? Where else have you been? Well, we were 15 years in youth ministry, wow. and uh, we planted a church in Shreveport, Bossier, Louisiana. Uh, we were there for about four years. Uh, at Christ for the Nations, we launched uh, a youth uh, summer program called Youth for the Nations. It runs about four weeks. I have several thousand uh, students that go through that every summer. And we launched the third year school of youth ministry while we were there. So we had good tenure in youth ministry. We were also part of uh, Church of the King in Dallas, Texas during that time for about 12 years. So, yep, and stayed married through all of it. Wow. <laughs> so how long have you guys been married? It'll be 43 years, May 28th. 40, wow. May 28th, coming yep. up. Yeah, it's coming yep. up. Congratulations. Yeah. That is huge. Yeah. Okay, so what's the secret? How do we get there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, you know, I think everybody starts their marriage at a deficit because nobody you've never been married before, right? In our case, uh, we entered this thing, I would say, dumb to the 10th power uh, because, you know, of our backgrounds. I mean, in my background, I come from a divorced home. Uh, my father was out of my life from really six till about 17. And um, so I never had a role model. How do you be a husband? Uh, you know, how do you be a father, for that matter? And so when I entered into marriage, um, you know, my background was I was raised from, by my grandmother for about seven years, and I had life by the tail. I mean, it was all about Bobby Bogart. And so when I entered into the marriage, I made it all about Bobby Bogart. And uh, so for about 10 years, um, our marriage was you know, pretty stressed and pretty strained uh, through that whole season. And I don't know if you want to kind of comment, jump in there a little bit. Well, I mean, the thing is, like he said, we didn't have a clue. And my parents were married until my dad passed away in 1993. So they were married my whole life, but their relationship was not very good. It was very strained and constant bickering and fighting. And I'm going to leave you and I'm going to take the kids, that kind of thing. So it was very tough. My dad wasn't a church goer, my mom was. So that's how I got saved at age six. So when we came into the marriage, I was just as broken. I, I want to say broken 
because there's so many pieces of your life as you grow up where you're broken and you bring all those broken pieces into the relationship. And especially when you don't even know you're broken, you know, you know, there's issues, but to acknowledge that that's, that's one of the biggest keys, but we didn't even know to acknowledge it. We just knew we had fights and we Mm -hmm. bickered all the time and our poor kids, you know, heard a lot of that. And, um, so like Bobby said, 10 years into the marriage, you know, I looked at him and I was like, who are you? Well, let me set the stage for that a little bit, because at that time I was the youth pastor of our church. I was the chaplain of our Christian school. I was a head basketball coach and also part-time football coach. Uh, and there was a season really where for three days and three nights, I never saw my kids awake. Uh, you know, I'd get home after they went to bed and I was up and out of the house before they got up. And um, so that's kind of the, the scenario that we were in. It's like I wasn't participating in the home. I wasn't participating in the marriage. Uh, for me, it was about, you know, supper, get my supper on the table, you know, get my slippers so I can watch TV and give me some sex when we go to bed. Yeah, that was what it was kind of about. Wow. Thus, my feeling of who are you, right. <laughs> the stranger in my bed. And so it was very strange, but I never, ever thought divorce. I didn't want to think it honestly there was too much other stuff going on to even think divorce it was just like how do i deal with this person i don't even know and i remember one time being out of town with my kids visiting my parents because that was my outlet when i couldn't take any more of him and he couldn't take any more of me and so i'd go visit them for a week or something and i was there and he called me early one morning and was like hey i need to find a suitcase i'm going here i'm going there and i was so mad at him for waking me up and and i remember walking to the phone so mad getting off the phone and the Holy Spirit saying to me, you know, love is not a feeling, it's a commitment. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel love for him at that point. I was committed to him, but I still fought with him all the time. And so I had to make a decision then. And the second thing the Holy Spirit said to me was, if you take care of yourself and your own heart, I'll take care of him. And that was hard because I always liked giving him my opinion about his life and how he was messing (laughs) up. And it was just hard not to say anything, especially when our kids were involved, you know. And, hey, where's dad, mom? How come we haven't seen him for days, you know? And they were small at that point. They were like five and two. And then, um, so like I said earlier, but by the time we were 10 years in, and, and the Spirit of God said that to me, and I had to make a decision about just keep on the way it was or maybe possibly even head into divorce. But and So immediately I started thinking about how can I change me and as I started doing that and honestly it was surprising how much I needed to change Mm. you know we don't think about that because we're so focused on that other person and so the more I've worked on me and just basically made a decision about how I spoke to him how I looked at him what does the Bible say about him how should my kids be taught to treat him and the more I spoke life to him told him he was great even though I wanted to punch him, told him he's the most awesome dad, you're the, the best husband in the world. I mean, I just started not lying to him because there's a difference, Yeah. but speaking something that was so true that he could be that. He had the Spirit of God in him to be yeah. those things. That's the key. Yeah. And so the more I spoke life into him, the more he started opening up and changing. And then one day, I don't know if he wants to share this part, he found a book. 
by Ed Cole, and yeah. he read that book. So found a book by Ed Cole called Maximize Manhood. And as I read that book, I realized that I was a boy. Wow. I was just a little boy in a man's body. And a little boy is self-centered. And that book began to flip my heart. And um, <clears throat> I really uh, began a process of change at that point. And began to try to honor my wife, love my wife like Christ loved the church. And, uh, you know, marriage is, the, the key to marriage really is a four-letter word called work, W-O-R-K. And, uh, you know, that flipped our, our attitude and our heart toward each other. And it started us on a trajectory for healing and restoration and uh, it took about five years, I think, to really mm -hmm. get us kicked in gear where we were hitting on all eight cylinders. But we had to work at it. And, you know, anybody listening today, uh, I, I think two things that really helped us in that season. Number one is when we got married, we, because of divorce in my life, I said we will never entertain or speak that word in any situation. Mm-hmm. Divorce is not an option. Maybe murder, but not divorce. <laughs> uh, Abuse. <laughs> so uh, that was number one. And number two, then, as she began to change her conversation, and I began to change my conversation, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Mm. And how you speak to your spouse has a whole lot to do with your attitude, it has a whole lot to do with your mindset of how you're going to treat them. And, you know, if you speak demeaning words, then your heart goes down that path. Your heart will follow your words. And mm -hmm. if you start speaking demeaning words or negative words, your heart gets in that context. And then it begins, the enemy wants to magnify mm -hmm. everything. And, and deceive you that this is an endless, hopeless situation that you're in, when really it can flip on a dime if you'll just take the time to hear the Holy Spirit and begin to engage uh, and be obedient to what He says. Yeah. I just love that. I want to emphasize what you were saying about what the Holy Spirit spoke mm -hmm. to you and that it wasn't a feeling. Mm -hmm. I just see a whole lot of people that we meet with and right. we counsel and that reach out to us and they fell out of love mm -hmm. or you always hear that or, but you realized that it was a commitment, mm -hmm. you know, and that you had to change mm -hmm. and then God did his part. It wasn't about him changing. I mean, it was, but like yeah. you weren't waiting for that. We have to focus on our own hearts. Mm -hmm. And be, there's as as bad as your spouse may be, there's always mm -hmm. junk in your own heart. And I think I just love that you had to, even when you didn't feel like it, mm -hmm. just speaking life into him. Yes. And then other things started to change. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, it's like, when you read the Bible or whatever, you you like turn a page and you think, oh wow, look at all this stuff that happened. But I'm, right. you said it was like five years. Yep. Like that was probably a really hard. You know, mm -hmm. it took a second to ch to change your heart. Right. But it took five years to change the marriage to find a flow for you mm -hmm. guys. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. I mean, the thing that's been in my heart from the beginning when we married, we we didn't get in full time ministry right away, but. 
a few years down the road we did, and that's another dynamic of marriage that you deal with. And I just remember watching him because he's always had a heart for God and he's always been passionate about God and he loves God with his whole heart. And I watched him as he would grow and I, it provoked me to want to keep up. And so that's another dynamic is spiritually to want to, to want to walk together hand in hand and one not just seek God and the other not. And I mean, there's so many marriages that we see that, you know, one or the other might not be pursuing God or are 100% sold out to God. And and I, I said to someone the other day is that you are trying to make your marriage perfect when you are both broken people. Mm. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that that's the key is that you have to both be heart seekers after God and heart seekers for each other. And then you had another dynamic and that's children. And, and I remember uh, when our kids became teenagers, that was one of the hardest dynamics. You think it is when your kids are little because they keep you busy and it's like you never get any sleep. Honey, I'd go for that any day over teenagers because <laughs> once they hit teenagehood, then they're trying to become an adult and then their will causes another dynamic that causes strain on us because we may not agree with how that, that dynamic is walked out. So again, we had to learn how to seek God together, pray for our children together, and it actually threw us into more prayer together than even previously. Previously, we struggled with praying together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like um, very humbling to be able to lay yourself down and pray with your spouse about things that you feel that you don't necessarily want them to know. And so it took a long time for me to be able to do that because I'm a very private, introverted person. He's a very social, outgoing extrovert person and so he doesn't care if everybody knows his life so it took a while for me to be able to open up and share with him my feelings in prayer about my kids and our, our other situations but I, I remember too going back to respecting that person and who they are even with our children we had to learn to do that because you reach a point where you're not just the parent they're they're another person that you have to respect who they are it's not just about you saying you need to do this because I say so. No, it comes to a place where that doesn't work anymore, you know. And so even then, we had to learn how to walk together hand in hand and parent our children. And now even another level is our kids are all married and we have grandkids. So there's another level as, as a couple of how do we walk this life out together. And sometimes we don't do it well, other times we do. But I have to say, that almost 43 years in, May 28th, that we have figured most of it out. And it's not that we don't have strains, but we have learned how to pray together, encourage each other, and love each other where we are. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I'm sure after 43 years, you know all the buttons to push. Oh, <laughs> honey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's choosing to not. Yes. To not do that. Yes. And to, to go to the other side yes. of it. Yeah. You know, yes. as, as Rose was sharing there, I was thinking about the passage that we quote at every marriage ceremony and that is the two shall become one if you look at that word shall become that that's an ongoing process Mm -hmm. because there's different seasons in your marriage where you have to shall become one you have to process yourself into a place of unity and becoming one in that season of your life Mm -hmm. so you have the season where it's just the two of you. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. you become one. You have the season when you have kids, you got to become one. You have the season when your kids are leaving home, you got to become one. Mm -hmm. You have the season when, okay, now you're empty nesters, you got to become one. Now you got grandkids, you got to become one. Now you're thinking about retirement. You're thinking about, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, our season of life is coming to an end. You got to become one. Mm -hmm. And that whole process takes Mm -hmm. work, communication, and and seeking God. Mm-hmm. So, even earlier, how you said that you guys learned how to communicate differently, mm-hmm. and it goes again with what you just talked about with Rose. I thought that was so important over the years. Like you, you've learned that you know, like the praying for each other. You know, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people uh, kind of don't see the value in that praying for exactly. your spouse, yeah. encouraging them, like you just said. Yes, because it's easier for me to notice your flaws and tell you mm-hmm. to change that versus seeing mm-hmm. how you just even said you weren't lying to him, but you saw who he could be yes. as a husband, yes. as a father. So yes. how did that look when you guys were actually changing the way that you communicated like with each other and even like that prayer, like if somebody here today, they don't have a normal prayer time with their spouse, mm-hmm. what's something simple that they could actually start doing to like to actually start to pray with each other? I have to say that again, part of how that started where we were more regular with it was out of desperation because I think that as human beings we tend in our imperfections to wait until we're desperate to do things and in reality that's not so bad because it forces us to have to face things and have to step up and so I I mean it's our flaw but it's still it's still no matter when we are how we do it let's just do it and so I feel like that again part of being able to pray together is first of all to believe that our prayers make a difference because if we don't believe that it's just a waste of breath and if we're not close enough to god to know hey god you care you're kind and you're caring and you care about our marriage you care about our children you care about our relationships with each other you care about our relationship with you and i think that's his ultimate goal is for us to have that relationship with him thus we walk it out visibly with each other and so I, I again, again, I think that us being able to humble ourselves because it's not easy for him to pray with me. I'm different. I, I'm different than him. I don't think like him. I don't even pray the same way he does. We think, and honestly, the most cool thing about it is, is because I don't think like him and he doesn't think like me. When we put it together, it works. And I just want to encourage people out there that just try it. You know, just take a moment. You know, and it's not like. I think the thing that that frustrates us is as couples is that oh we got to pray for 30 minutes no you don't all you got to do is say one little one line or two line prayer and god hears that in the name of jesus i Mm -hmm. mean what else can there be and so i think that that's key is that keep it simple yeah you don't have to do anything massive you don't have to pray for hours you just say a little prayer and i mean we try to pray every night for our whole family as we go to bed so it brings peace to us it brings peace to them I think, uh, you know, just from a practical standpoint, you normally have an extrovert and an introvert in the marriage, okay? So if you're the extrovert, man or woman, then you probably are more comfortable taking the lead role in prayer, okay? If you're the introvert, uh, put yourself in agreement. I mean, that's, that's what I had to learn. The reason I got frustrated with Rose in prayer is because she'd say, let's pray together, and then I would be the only one that pray. You know what I'm saying? I said, well, if we're going to pray together, I need to hear you pray. 
But that was putting a weight on her that really she didn't have the capacity to carry. Mm-hmm. And so if you're the extrovert, lead out in prayer and know that and, and have the introvert be in agreement. And then just are you morning people or night people? We're night people. We don't ever go to bed till midnight. And so uh, that's when our time of prayer takes place. Mm-hmm. is as we're going to bed. And you think, man, they're going to bed at midnight and they're praying. Yeah, we're praying the old day out and the new day in. Hallelujah. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think, too, that like during the day, we both, again, because we're different, I pray all throughout the day. You know, I'm not like just praying at night before I go to bed. And so sometimes by the time we get to bed, it's like, hey, I had this thought today. Can we pray about that? And so I think communication breeds confidence, and it just – the more we learn to communicate with the, with each other, our thoughts, our our weights, our whatever. I mean, like I loved it one time. Bobby said to me, "I was sharing my heart with him, and just my disappointments of dreams that weren't fulfilled as I was growing up, or as I became an adult, or just you know, just I wanted to do this. I wanted to be a dancer. I wanted to be a rocket. Crazy as it may sound, <laughs> and I never, of course, I never did that, but." I love dancing and stuff, but I never became a dancer. And I was sad about that one day. And I was sharing that with him. And he said to me, he said, babe, I just want to give you permission to dream. And then he prayed with me about my dreams. And it was just a beautiful moment. Now, does that happen very often? No. But in my weightiness and my, my regrets and disappointments, he was there for me. And I think that's key. It's not like, okay, every day we're going to sit down and pray. No, you don't have to do that. But in those moments when you need that support, then do that, yep. whatever it takes. You know, it may just be a re- I release you to dream. That's a prayer, yeah. you know, a whisper. And so I think every couple's going to have different. You can't walk it out the same. So I don't think you should try to. I think you just sit down and you work out what works for you. You know, like Bobby said, whatever time of day, whatever the situation is. I think another thing that's helped us in prayer is um, we make it a habit to do what we call a vision retreat. And um, that looks different at different times because um, we're a little bit more spontaneous. Some people need like a, there's several books out how to have a vision retreat, but we're kind of spontaneous. And kind of the way that we do it is we we plan uh, a day or two days where we get out of our current environment and we'll take some time to have fun and then uh, we bring into that retreat like maybe words that we feel like God has, has, is speaking to us or, or uh, a weight that we're carrying. We try to have a focus, okay, in this season, are we focusing on finances? Are we focusing on dreams or, or our family? Whatever that focus is, then, then what has God spoken to us in the past? Do we have any prophetic words that we bring and we review those? Uh, dreams that we've written down or concerns that we have. And we kind of pray about that before we go into the retreat. And then as we focus on the theme of that time away, um, then we have communication. She's sharing her heart. And the rule is that you have to listen. You can't speak, you can't correct, you can't, um, you know, try to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. You're just listening to your spouse and let them communicate their frustrations, um, 
their dreams or their expectations and let them pour it out and then then it's your turn and they have to listen then we take some time and we go apart after we've listened to each other and we might do something we might go watch a movie or something and then we come back and then we bring out the prophetic words and okay when you were sharing here's what god was saying to me blah 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 and so all that communication helps us to pray more effectively as we're praying through the day as individuals i know kind of what she's carrying and i can intercede through the day and that works for us Thanks for joining us on today's episode, and we will be putting up part two next Monday where you can hear the conclusion from Bobby and Rose on how you can reach 43 years in marriage and beyond. If you would do us a favor, if this podcast impacted you at all, share it on social media. Go ahead and you can share it under the link on your podcast app. And you can share it on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, so we can help more marriages be built up stronger. Thanks for joining us on The Married Life, where we exist to help build stronger marriages, to create stronger families, to form stronger communities. We'll see you guys next week.